Hi, I'm Simon Drew, and you're listening to the Practical Stoic Podcast. If you'd like to find more episodes of the show, as well as articles and information about my one-on-one alignment coaching, then you can head to my website. It's simonjedrew.com. If you do have the means to support the show, then I'd love to see you in my Patreon community. Just go to patreon.com forward slash simonjedrew, where you'll also get access to over 240 episodes recorded before 2020. But for now, enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast. Now, today I've got a conversation for you that I had with none other than one of my all-time favorite human beings, Sharon LaBelle. Now, I know you guys have been waiting for another conversation with Sharon for a long time. And today we wanted to kind of discuss our thoughts and feelings about uh, the traditions of this time of year. So Christmas and Hanukkah, um, particularly with our our two kind of uh, traditional backgrounds. Um, And it was such a great conversation. I always love talking with Sharon and I know you're going to enjoy this. And uh, if you don't know Sharon, then you can check out a couple of interviews that I've done with her in the past on this podcast. And you can also get her book, The Art of Living, the classical manual on virtue, happiness and effectiveness, which is a a collection of her favorite passages from Epictetus uh, and interpreted by her as well. And it's such a great start if you want to jump into Stoicism and, and get some beautiful wisdom immediately. Uh, it's, it's one of the best um, and everybody will tell you that. Now, she's also a wonderful speaker. She spoke at Stoicon this year and just an all-round incredible human being. Um, and so I just hope that you really enjoy this conversation. And on behalf of myself and Sharon, uh, we'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Late Hanukkah, Uh, you know, whatever you're celebrating this time of year, or if you're not celebrating, I hope that it's still a great time of year for you. But otherwise, without any further ado, I present to you Sharon LaBelle. Okay, so Sharon, um, I don't want to break up the rhythm of our previous conversations, but I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, It's been too long. Um, and, uh, and I know that everybody's going to be excited to hear from you. So today we had obviously planned to talk about traditions and rituals and, um, everything that we kind of enjoy about this time of year. Take me right back to, okay, this is going to be a psychoanalytical start to the, (laughs) to the show. Take me right back to your childhood. You know, what, what were the traditions that you grew up in the, the rituals and, and, and. I don't know. How do you feel that things have changed over time? I guess. Let me think. Okay. I grew up in a secular, uh, skeptical Jewish household in Los Angeles. And so our traditions they they were more like intellectual traditions than um uh i don't know christmas cookies or i i you know i don't even know what to contrast it to mm. um i felt uh that i was in the wider culture 
but not of it. And what, but of course, you know, what you grow up in is water to the fish, right? I mean, you don't, you just, everything is normalized to you because it's the only thing you know. Um, I grew up in what was a very interesting neighborhood, which of course at the time I didn't know was interesting. And um, who our neighbors were, were um, overwhelmingly first and second generation people from Japan. Mm. And many of those families had... um, the parents of the families had been interned in detention camps during World War II, you know, the, one of the greatest crimes of um, America. And they were still, uh, even though they had been imprisoned as, or rounded up uh, as children, they still had a very cautious and kind of outsider looking in uh, perspective. And these were my best friends. And so, so many of the traditions I experienced were actually um, Japanese uh, mm-hmm. traditions. And I loved being in these homes because there was a, what seemed to me as a child, a kind of quiet, serenity and um very ritualistic you know there was there was tea ceremony and um i don't know there was just this simple elegance to everything and um so that deeply influenced me Mm. and it was such a contrast to the family that i grew up grew up in which was you know really verbal and um everything was polemical and you know and i'm grateful for that but it was really nice having these kind of islands of serenity and then the other people in our neighborhood it was very closely knit neighborhood um we were the only white people um even you know we were jewish so we weren't uh i don't know regular white, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we um, actually, you know what, I'm completely, I'm misrepresenting. Um, well, I was going to say we also had Indian Americans on our block and African Americans. And so it was very rich culture, lots of different traditions. Mm. Um <clears throat> What I was going to say is the one white family was across the street from us, and they were, um, do you know the now pretty well-known actress Jodie Foster? Yes. Yes. Okay, so the Foster family grew up across the street from us. And why this is important in terms of culture is the other whiter culture that I grew up in again, unknowingly, water to the fish, was um, the entertainment business. Mm. Everybody, everybody worked in some aspect of the entertainment business. My father was a lawyer in the entertainment business. Uh, We had um, 
many musicians on the block who played, um, you know, f for uh, the soundtracks of movies, everything mm. service the entertainment business. And so I just assumed, you know, growing up that everyone, you know, that everything was kind of about television or performance or taco commer commercials. It, there used to be commercials actually um, filmed in my parents' house, you know, <laughs> for, I, I thought of tacos because there was a Taco Bell commercial filmed in our, you know, it was, it was weird and it was rich, but I, I, I know I've gotten far afield from your question. Um, I married, um, and it, so I grew up in this kind of cosmopolitan neighborhood. And then the, the man I married came from a very insular provincial uniformly Irish Catholic Chicago neighborhood. And, you know, we couldn't be more different in terms of our traditions and, and our consequent ways of thinking mm. about the world, you know, whereas in my family, everything was stand up, shout it out, say what you got to say. And in his family, it was be quiet, be humble, um, blend in, etc. And so anyway, I had a really interesting experience two nights ago talking about the meeting of cultures. Um, for the very first time, very, and I kid you not, in the very first time in my life, I decorated a Christmas tree. Wow. With my husband. And the thing, it, it was amazing because, and this is, I hope this is valuable now as a topic for you and for our listeners. I think the beauty of our traditions and cultures is that whether we think about it or not, they help point us towards um, the sublime towards mm. wonder, towards that which we can't really put in words. And they give us, um, they help us feel like we belong to the world. Uh, you know, our, our little tribes and stuff can be criticized for being, for kind of promoting us and themness. But on the other hand, it's so important, I think, for us to feel in this vast chaotic world like we have a place in the web. And how this relates to my decorating this Christmas tree is, you know, I was seeing this with innocent childlike eyes. I've never, I, I didn't even know you plug in the light. I knew nothing. And we did it. And put the little balls on and everything. And when I stood back to look at it and on the, you know, in, in a earlier life, I would have thought, Oh, that kitschy stuff. I was completely overcome by, it, it was just so majestic. It was so beautiful and it pointed to something that my my chatterbox mind couldn't reduce to 
you know, it's tidy categories. So anyway, I, I, I guess I took a pretty meandering approach to No, I love it. No, I, th- I, think, I think that's beautiful. And I think it's, it's dead on as well. Sometimes we can't necessarily, well, I mean, listen, looking at the, the weird traditions that we do, the weird rituals that we do, even the Christmas tree, it's a very weird thing. I mean, and obviously over the many, many years that we build these traditions, we're going to lose sight of maybe what the original uh, purpose or meaning of it was. Um, but, but, but we still experience that. I think that's what you're speaking to is that there's still something there that, that speaks to, uh, you know, us aiming higher and, and, and being better together. And yeah, it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like the one message that they've always push in, you know, all of those Hallmark Christmas movies, which I'm glad to say I've been watching a couple with my wife. It's been hilarious. Cause they're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're, the, they're the worst movies you could ever hope to see, but they're so funny and good um, because of that. And the big message in all of them is Christmas spirit. Have you got the Christmas spirit, you know, or are you just, you know, kind of getting through your life and, you know, um, it, it's just such a, such a funny, uh, I can't believe they do like 30 or 40 movies a year. It's insane. But I, you know, I love it. I think, I think that it's just so cool that you have finally had that chance to do a Christmas tree and yes. <laughs> to get that benefit. It's funny. It's a- I've actually, sorry, go on. No, no, please. Well, I was just going to say, I've been thinking about the Christmas tree lately uh, because obviously, you know, we do that in our family as well, you know, because I I come from a pretty standard, well, a Mormon family, but pretty much standard Christmas way to celebrate, sorry, Christian way to celebrate Christmas. And then, you know, my, my wife comes from Texas and her family did Christmas. And so I'm just surrounded by Christmas. My family, you know, the whole company, you know, that they, my parents run is all based around Christmas. So it's like, you can't get away from it in our family and we love it. Um, but, uh, there is a, a really beautiful, um, joy that comes in this time of year. Just when the people in the family who usually put in the effort to like decorate things like they, they, you know, that it's like everywhere you go in our family, it's like decorated and there's Christmas and there's just a different feeling, you know, everybody's happy having a good time. Not that that's not usually the case, but you know, there's just that different joyful feeling. Um, and it does encourage us to all come together and be better and, um, you know, spend that really quality time just, sitting there eating some fruit, watching a Hallmark movie, (laughs) you know, like just doing simple things that usually, you know, I might, I might be like, Oh, I'm just busy or I'm this or I'm that. No, just do the simple things that, you know, lead us to all come together. But so how do you feel like, have you kept a lot of those kind of multicultural traditions as you've, as you've kind of, gotten older have you have you brought anything with you from your childhood in terms of those like Japanese traditions and stuff like that and I also want to know what it was like for Christmas in the uh, or Hanukkah in the in the foster family (laughs) (laughs) they they went to town they (laughs) mind you this was before they all became famous I Mm. um this was when 
you know, Jody was getting her first gig in a suntan oil uh, commercial. But anyway, I, I shouldn't get into celebrity. <laughs> um, sorry, Simon, what was the question? <laughs> It's all right. Ultimately, I wanted to know about the Fosters. No, I'm just kidding. Of course. But, no, no, no. Vicarious no, traditions. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, well, I should. Okay, I I should say that you know I I had a ton of children. I had um, four children of my own who are now uh, grown up, and a couple of them are married, and I've got grandchildren and. I uh, also raised from when they were very young uh, to stepchildren. So I had, I had six kids uh, running around and I would put on these um, blowout Hanukkah things where we would eat potato pancakes and we would dance and we would play drip, very musical, very musical. Mm. Um, and but then, you know, when my kids grew up and grew away, I, I took a breather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's a lot of effort to pull all these things together. Uh, one of the things that was great about it was, you know, the traditions in a way we don't have to think so much because it's like you're handed a template for, mm. you know, do this and it'll create joy and do that and create joy and everyone's preconditioned to it's time to feel joy. So, um, so much for that. As to the Japanese traditions, uh, my, well, my experience with and love for all of these uh, Japanese families whom I grew up with, that, that's what pointed me towards Zen and towards mm. Buddhism as a young woman and I'll you know I certainly keep up the tradition of meditation mm. for which I'm eternally uh, grateful but most of the time I I mean I my my rituals are kind of generic in a way I I just love to be in nature um, mm. I, I I guess what I'm saying is I haven't I don't ceremonialize anything. Oh, you know what I do do? Oh, for heaven's sakes, it's so much a part of my life that I didn't even think of. Well, um, one uh, Jewish practice that I do is um, every Friday through Saturday, I do observe Shabbat, by mm. which I mean uh, at sundown, I light candles and... Uh, bless wine, which is a symbol of uh, joy and happiness and bread. I, I make homemade bread every Friday. And now it's just my husband and myself. And so we always just have a, a lovely, uh, very leisurely dinner uh, where we, we kind of take stock of what we're grateful for, not not in any systematic way, but that's the tradition just kind of uh, creates a space, you know, mm. to do that. And then on Saturdays, 
we're, you know, we're not strictly observant or anything, but we tend not to, to drive or to, to do commerce or anything. We don't work. We, uh, we, you know, we usually take hikes or we play music and it, it roots us. Um, it's, it's kind of a reset each, each week. It's funny, I didn't even think about that, because I guess true, when we really observe traditions, they're so integrated into us that they don't seem like this thing that we practice. Mm. Yeah. How about you? No, I I love that. And it sounds to me like the Saturday is almost like the day of the Sabbath for Christians, you know, where you kind of just pause. Like, I, I know when when we were growing up, it was always, yeah, the Sunday is the day that you rest, you know, you don't work, you don't go out and buy things. You just kind of have that one day where it's supposed to be different. And I mean, I've even been considering, cause I've, you know, obviously having, having left the church of my kind of upbringing, um, you know, th- there are certain holes that ordinary life doesn't necessarily fill. Right. And one of those, which yes. I've been considering, trying to get back to is that day of the Sabbath, even if it's just where you say, well, there's going to be one day a week where I'm going to forgive myself for not constantly thinking about what I need to do next. And for not, you know, just getting engaged in all kinds of things, but just, yeah, maybe I'll go, maybe that's going to be my hiking day. I'll get up, have breakfast with Jen, you know, go hike, uh, you know, come back and even do some reading, some stuff that, ordinarily, you know, I would love to just sit there and not be burdened by thoughts of, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that and just a quiet day, you know? So I think that's going to be something that I bring back into the fold as it were. Um, but, but I love that. So, so can you tell me more about, uh, the Jewish side of your upbringing traditions and everything like that? Cause I, have always had a real affinity for the Jewish traditions because my brother married um, a, a Jewish girl from Philadelphia. So she's got all of those traditions. They had a classic Jewish wedding. I loved it. It was amazing. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it just, it just seems to me like there's a really rich culture there. Um, and I'll also add this. I, I spent Christmas on the largest cruise ship in the world one year when I was on there with my, um, with my band. Right. And so, you know, we were all on there for Christmas. It was great. Um, I had, you know, my wife Jen on there with us as well. And uh, we were sitting in the dining room one day and uh, a lot, it was just known on the cruise ships that you're going to get a lot of Jewish families coming on the, on the ships around that time of year, because it's kind of like everybody else is celebrating Christmas. So they'll just go off and cruise. Right. Um, and we were in the dining room one day and I looked behind us and there was this, there was this really big family. Everybody was kind of dressed in these white pale clothes. And all of a sudden they just, the whole family just started singing kind of quietly under their breath, but still with, uh, with joy and kind of gusto. Um, uh, they just started singing these beautiful Jewish songs, you know, with, with their family. And I looked behind, I was like, Ah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so nice to see a family unit sitting down, having a meal together and singing in a public place. You know, they don't care. They're just 
having a great time with each other. So I've always really appreciated um, the, I guess the community and the, uh, the importance that, that, um, you know, Jewish families place on those kind of rituals. But for you, what, what were they? What do they mean? You know, what, what, um, what, what, what are the purposes of a lot of the stuff that, that you did or, or do? Well, in some ways, this is restating what you're saying, but um, even in the fairly modern and skeptical household that I grew up in, it was just a given that you would be with extended family. And yeah, lots, I mean, you're actually kind of bringing my awareness back to what I grew up with and what I cherish. And there was always, we grew up singing together. (laughs) And, but in some ways it was for our family, a kind of nostalgia for something that we had actually never even experienced. You know, we were singing these um, sort of tunes of the old country but none of us had ever been to the old country. And, you know, it was more like something that we imagined. Uh, Mm. I mean, maybe that's inbuilt into so many traditions, a a sense of nostalgia for something that you really have no direct experience of, but it points you towards certain ideals or a, a sense of the iconography of your heart or something that Mm. maybe you inherited sort of atavistically, even if you didn't directly experience it. Mm. Um, Family was everything. Relationship was everything. Um, There was always a a stress on, you know, I'd rather you be a kind person than you know, than the smartest person or, or the most successful person. Um, we were also, I, I mean, I'm really just free associating, but these are truthful memories. We were, it was absolutely considered uh, an essential, you weren't alive unless you read books. If you mm. didn't read, you had to read books you just you had to read books and you had to read them not to imbibe them but to dialogue with them i Mm. think i think that is the spirit that i most take away from jewish culture as i experienced it is we were always having a relationship with text and then with ideas and so i never felt like I had to believe in some top down, you know, authority, you know, this is what God says. I, I always felt that we were being asked deeply consider this idea or this chunk of text. And what do you think it really means? What, what do you think it really means in this mm. moment? in this circumstance that you find it in kind of just always turning ideas over and over again, your turn. What do you think? Your turn. What do you think? There's a concept that they call, um, Hevruta, 
which are means literally your friend but the idea is that you you study something with another person you know it's their dyads like study mm. dyads and as friends you bounce ideas off of each other and so there's no sense of competition it's like you're trying to sincerely earnestly figure something out together mm. that was a huge part of my growing up and i like to think it's still alive for me a lot of this is reinforced for me um, my oldest daughter became a rabbi and um she married a rabbi too and so oh, wow. she has a very um observant home um <clears throat> Anyway, I'm losing my thread. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And, and that whole idea of just being brought up to value the interaction with text. Um, you might be able to confirm this with me. I'm, I, I might be completely wrong on this, but does Israel mean something like they who wrestle with God? Is that? That's exactly it. Yeah. And see, that's what, that's the sort of images that I come up with in my mind. When I hear you being brought up in that kind of culture, it, it is like, you know, don't accept things, but, but wrestle with these ideas, right? Like wrestle with that consciousness inside of you, you know, and, and have that dialogue. Um, it seems to me like such a profound way to, to grow up and be, be brought into this kind of culture, right? Because, and and I can see that that has made you who you are. Cause you know, when we talk about ideas and, and things that are happening in, in our lives and everything, you know, it's so much fun to talk about these things with you because you do wrestle with ideas and you are willing to play. What is it? Play gracefully with ideas. Who said that? Somebody said that it's, it's a beautiful I don't quote. Know, that's wonderful. It's a beautiful quote. It's like, you know, we, we need to learn to play gracefully with ideas. And I think that that's what you do. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's wonderful. You know, these traditions that, that make us who we are. And, you know, I think that we both have a mutual um, fascination with somebody like Rupert Sheldrake, for example, I really like his theory on these sorts of things where he discusses the idea that, there's almost an inherent memory in these rituals that we do. Um, and the, the process of generation after generation repeating these rituals over and over and over again, um, there's some sort of memory carried with them that even though we can't necessarily explain it, it's just who we are just in the same way that if you're born into a Judeo Christian culture, you're pretty much Judeo Christian to the core, you know, like it's just who yes. you are. Um, and I like that because that encourages me to say, oh, okay, well, let's actually try doing some rituals that have been handed down. Um, and I mean, I've even decided that, um, for Christmas, uh, and I did an episode on this as well. You know, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you don't necessarily have to say, think about Jesus Christ or, you know, like I know it's kind of his day, but, um, but, but for me, it seems like an opportunity to think about the sage. Cause that's what Jesus was essentially to Western culture. It's like the sage of culture. Right. But it's an opportunity to think, okay, well, 
if I could have my best possible self born into my life, you know, and to be able to take that, what would that mean? And then we obviously, you know, a few days later, it's the new year. So you think about the sage and then you take that with you into the new year and then wash and repeat. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> just repeat the process. Um, I want to be on your team. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's just, you know, I'm just, I've just been trying to think about the ways that I can grab onto these cultural, uh, you know, yearly delicacies, you know, and, and, and use them in a way that, that, connects me to that broader spirit that is happening right now, but also kind of making it my own, you know? So it's, yeah, it's something, but I have to tell you this, Sharon, because you're going to love this story. Okay. So firstly, when I was young, my parents went all out. Obviously, as I said, they love Christmas. Um, I once came out, we came out to a fireplace where they had left a scrap of red material as if Santa had accidentally scuffed his pants on the way up the chimney and they left some red material on the fireplace (laughs) ripped up. Those are the sorts of things that, so, you know, there's a contrast here, right? Which is that your family had, you know, maybe some very intellectual, you know, like um, uh, traditions around this year. I think for my family, it was very, it was kind of like a playful uh, kind of like, let's keep the spirit alive sort of thing. Um, (laughs) One year, my brother made a trap for Santa. um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you exactly what happened, right? He, he essentially underneath the Christmas rug under the Christmas tree, he put a little wire that, when Santa stepped on the rug, it would send an alarm into my brother's room and wake him up so that he could come out and catch Santa. He was a psychopath. I love my brother. <laughs> what happened? What did he catch him? No, I, I, I couldn't let him do that. I ripped it up. <laughs> I, I, I ruined it. I, could, I couldn't let my brother catch Santa. That would have been horrifying. <laughs> Right, so we had all these silly little things and we'd have water fights each year. It was ba- for, for us, Christmas was basically about, you know, getting together with the family and just having a fun, silly time, you know. And, and I think that that's kind of the, for me, oh my gosh, yeah. Like I think that if in the same way that I can see your traditions, how they have made you who you are, like, like those traditions have absolutely made me completely silly and <laughs> and a big fan of the silliness of life and, the, and those sorts of things because it's just it's just so much fun you know it's it's good stuff but yeah um and I have I, oh sorry no please sorry, go. well I was just gonna say I I was struck by what you just said that I I think it's true that we really can never escape the traditions we were raised with just like we can't cast off uh, the influence of the generation uh, we came of age in. And it's funny because I think a lot of us, our, our vanity uh 
makes us want to believe that we truly are independent thinkers, that we've come to live our lives in the way that we do live our lives as a matter of concerted choice and deliberation and com compare, compare and contrast and you know what seems good, what doesn't. But if we look squarely at our values and our behavior, I don't want to be oversimplistic, but I think we are always in dialogue with these formative traditions. Now, some people are spending their life doing everything they can to reject their past for whatever mm reason or you know for those uh traditions or or values that were essential in their um in their families of origin but you know when you think about that even living in opposition to those uh values and practices you're always tethered to them because you're having mm. to say, not this, not this, not this. I'm a different kind of person. Or maybe you're more middle of the road. You're you're like a, a modifier of what, um, you know, what you uh, imbibed as kind of mother's milk. Mm. Or perhaps, you know, unthinkingly, you just, um, and, and I don't say that critically, um, you know, it's it's beautiful to be just one of those people who is an extender of or a carrier of um, the traditions that mm. they were raised with. So um, I think that's really terrific that we're always rooted in something, even if somehow deep inside us we're we're screaming at it. Uh, you yeah. Know, you know. You know. Yeah. Anyway, I, I really like the way that you put it as in dialogue with our traditions, because it, it, it's right. It's like, you know, just in the same way that whether you think you have a, a, a personal philosophy for how to live your life or not, you do because you're living life right in the same yeah. way. Um, you know, I, I know people who Christmas isn't a, a necessarily a fun time of year, but not necessarily for the reasons you might think it's, I, I guess, you know, there's, there's kind of like a, a, a negativity sort of, you know, like, Oh, you have to be with family. I, don't, oh, I just don't want to see my family and, you know, Oh yeah. Don't want to do. And, and you're right. It's a dialogue. You're having, you're still, you know, whether or not you want to detach yourself from that, you're still going through that and having that conversation with yourself about whether it's a pleasant or, you know, and I know it can be a really sad time for a lot of people, you know, this time of year, it can be really, really sad. So, um, you know, yeah, there's, it's, it's just an interesting point. I like that, that, that it is this kind of, um, man, we can't escape it, <laughs> can't escape it wherever you go. Um, I wanted to bounce an idea off you as well, Sharon, uh, something that I've been considering lately, um, and I'm going to try and find this passage from Seneca that I read recently, because I thought it was one of the funniest things that I've ever read from a philosopher. And I think you'd really appreciate it. But um, I was, I was thinking about the utter commercialization of Christmas that we kind of 
have reached um or just this time of year um it's absolutely filthy but i, I love it <laughs> it's like but it's filthy right black friday sales i'm watching from afar over here at a safe distance in australia but that's some that's some crazy stuff that that happens in america um uh but i read this letter from seneca where he was it, it was his letter on benefits and I want to see if I can find find this here because it was just such it was such a funny thing that I read. Um, but but anyway, basically, in this letter, he's discussing uh, in terms of giving and receiving benefits in society. Even if you don't receive back, you always want to sow because you will reap in the future. You know, but you want to keep on sowing those good vibes essentially you know just like you know giving gifts or doing favors or just being that person who's constantly looking for ways to give benefits to other people um and i thought christmas is almost like an opportunity uh as part of my tradition it's almost like a reminder give something give something to somebody you know think about what it is that they might like and give a special gift. And I've been thinking lately, like, uh, I think that slowly over the course of my life, uh, sometimes in my family, and I see this a lot with other people as well, it's like you move away from the tradition of thinking about what am I going to give to this person and more to the tradition of, hey, what do you want? What do you need? You know, it's more like a, hey, let me ask you what it is that you need and then I'll get you that. So it takes the surprise element out of it. And I think that we need to move back to, and I'm so bad at this as well, because I'm always just like, ah, oh, don't get me anything I don't need. I'm just, <laughs> um, but there needs to be a surprise element to it as well of how about you think about what it is that I might like, and I'll think about what it is you like, and let's just get together and give a simple gift, a benefit, you know, and practice the art of giving you know, it seems like that's where we want to get back to. Um, it seems like that's kind of, if on a mass scale in society, we were able to practice that art at least once a year, maybe it'd be a really good thing for everybody. I don't know. What do you think? I think you've just said something very important. Um, what it puts me in mind of, I, I've done a lot of thinking about what actually makes good relationships between people, especially, say, between married people or couples, mm. but even between friends. But let's just narrow it to what makes a good marriage. Cause so many, you know, it's, it's a cliche to say that, you know, marriage is on the rocks in our mm. time here. But so what I'm about to say is really just a kind of variation on what you're saying. I've come to believe that if, if I adopt the perspective of thinking about what you, my partner, really most care about. And you 
adopt the idea of caretaking what I most care about, everything else will take care of itself. Let me give a concrete example, hmm. a very, a, a very prosaic, everyday, banal example. My husband, and I'm not claiming I have some perfect marriage, but it's pretty dang good. <laughs> you know what? It's pretty darn good. Um, my husband is loves spectator sports. Mm -hmm. Loves, loves, loves spectator sports. I could not be more indifferent to spectator <laughs> sports, and that's putting it generously. Uh, you know, why would someone want to chase a ball? or hit a ball in a square, you know, I don't know. I don't mean to sound irreverent, but the point, but actually what I've just reflexively done has to do with what I'm trying to say. I would never say something like that around him. I know that that's one of his sacred cows. That's one of his, it makes no sense to me, but I, I will always go out of my way to try to make sure if there's a big game he wants to see, then, you know, I don't schedule something during it or whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's silly. It's mundane. It's every day. But he really cares about that. He also really cares about, uh, he's very sentimental. And so he, he cares about uh, birthdays and holidays and stuff. I'm not sentimental. But I mean, I don't mean to set up the, this kind of oppositional, uh, th you know, a lot of times the things that we most care about definitely overlap. But the point is that I've really made an effort to sort of in your what you just described, to think about giving to the other person something that will bring them joy, mm. and vice versa. And then it's almost like you don't even have to have anything else in common. I, I don't, don't want to, you know, over-exaggerate. But if you feel that, and I used a kind of lame example of just, you know, loving sports. I mean, we we also have these, uh, I'm trying to think of, think of examples, but we have certain deeply held principles that if they were breached would just, be anathema. I mean, it was just, I, I wish I could invoke one, but I'm, I don't know. I'm not that clear minded today, but it's, it's like if we protect those things for, for the other person and they protect ours and just like you're saying, giving to the other, they give to you. It's, um, it's a beautiful thing. I'm actually, the last thing I'll say about this is, I have a friend who passed away a few years ago and he was uh, he was an artist, a songwriter, kind of a Renaissance man. But he, he wrote this little song with these sweet words that I think say so much. And, and I'd like to think are a kind of restatement of what you just said. And they go like this. Uh, let's see from, from you. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share, 
this is how we live. Mm. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share, this is how we live. Or you might say, this is how we flourish. Right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful way to think about it. And and yeah, definitely something that's been on my mind, you know, like just this idea of how can we get back to that? Uh, it's definitely something that I need to, you know, it's something that I know that I really need to work on is that, that ability to uh, pause and reflect on, okay, what's the other person wanting, you know, like what can I be giving here? And, um, and yeah, you know, it's, 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 I wanted to ask you as well. So one of the pictures that you just painted for me is um, sort of like an archetypal um, uh, marriage unit, which is there are those things that you really get it. I don't get it at all. <laughs> I get this. You really don't. Get it. And, and, and I've been thinking about that for a long time with, with my own marriage is just, just this idea of opposites attract. <laughs> and, and you said it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, when I was, you know, when I was, I've, I've fallen into that idea because when I was growing up, I was like, I'm not going to find the opposite person. You know, I, I just, I always thought it was such a silly idea, but I think as you mature and as you get to know what actually happens in life, like I know that with, with my wife and I, like one of, okay, well getting to traditions, you know, uh, I am not a huge decorator, even though my family is massive on decorations. I, you know, I'll put up a Christmas tree. I'll be really happy. You know, I'll be really happy with that. But you know, Jen comes from, um, I mean, her mum, who is, <laughs> who always does a massive Christmas decoration, a huge Christmas tree, just goes all out. And, and Jen's wonderful like that. You know, she is baking the cookies, you know, she's putting up the Christmas, you know, she's putting <laughs> her Christmas lights, you know, like two days into the Christmas tree, the, the tree's full of presents. It's like, slow down, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't keep up. Right. But but it's so important because what that does is it, it, it actually pulls me up to a different level as well. It's like, you know, Hey, come along with me, you know, we're going to go all out. And there is a spirit around the house now, you know, there is a beautiful um, feeling in, in our home uh, because of the effort that, that she puts in, you know, where I might not necessarily do that, but you know, maybe the way that I contribute is I'm really happy to do the dishes and stuff like, <laughs> like I'm really happy to do other things, you know, but together it really works well. Um, and I wanted to ask you, I guess, um, rounding off the tradition conversation, I just wanted to ask you, maybe this will be the final question. What are you looking forward to in 2021? What's the new year looking like for you? What are you excited about? apart from running away from everything that happened this year, <laughs> which we all are, um, what's it looking like for you? I, I don't have any concrete outcomes that I'm pointed towards. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm not pushing back on the question, but um, I, I feel that if we've learned anything this year, it's that everything can change and 
change so profoundly that it almost seems like, you know, the laws of gravity have been, the law of gravity has been um, take, uh, uh, subverted. Mm. Um, but what I am looking forward to is the effect that this kind of um, chastening of our arrogance will result in as, as our societies, as the communities we live in learn to reset because we're not going to go back to the way things were. So much has changed, you know, even just at the level of, uh, you know, we've gotten so used to communicating through Zoom, for example. Mm. Um, yes, we hope that people will get back together in person, but I don't think people are going to altogether uh, ditch this kind of communication. That, that's one of a zillion examples. But I like to think that as we return or reset or reboot, that we shall do so with more, more, more gratitude, uh, more um, respect for the mystery of life. And that we won't just be on our uh, kind of mental treadmills. Like I think I, you know, I can't speak for other people, but I, I know that my head was really in the sand before COVID and its effects and also the po political atmosphere in my country, which has been so contentious. I, I look forward to how we will incorporate the lessons of simplifying and reappreciating the value of being one in literally together with people, just how that will express itself. Mm. I love it. I'm, I'm going to end the interview right there. That's a beautiful place to step, stop. But thank you so much for, for the conversation, Sharon. It's always a pleasure. Simon, thank you. Pleasure and privilege always. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. If you'd like to sign up for email updates, join my Patreon meetup groups that we hold weekly, or if you'd like to offer feedback or suggestions for future guests or topics on the show, then you can head to simonjedrew.com. There you'll also find information about how we can work one-on-one -on -one together with my alignment coaching, based around the philosophical principles found in Stoicism. Finally, if you are on Facebook, then I'd love to see you in our group, The Practical Stoic Mastermind. But hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next time.